0: Hey, 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 walk a mile in my shoes. Why don't you? It's episode 24 of 4 Hour Edification. Ah. Thank you for joining this episode of For Hour Edification. I'm Eddie Francis. For Our Edification is a show where we try to answer the question: what's that like? And so go to eddiefrancis.com Check out past episodes of Far Identification, and you can get the show where you get most of your podcasts. Higher education marketing sounds like a lot of fun, right? You go in, and with one single billboard, you're going to change the lives of so many students. Yeah. Well, let me tell you what's happened. In the past few years in higher ed marketing, there has been this explosion of of Higher Ad Marketing Podcasts. And I've been listening to these things and I have been saying, yes, yes, that is exactly right. Somebody can understand what I'm going through in my role. And so I thought I would reach out to one of the folks who hosts one of these podcasts. His name is Joel Goodman. He's the co-host of Thought Feeder. And um, pretty interesting. We planned for this to be one episode. But the interview got so good that we had to make it too. Welcome to part one of this episode of For Our Edification. The views and opinions expressed on For Our Edification do not necessarily reflect the views or opinions of the hosts, guests, or any entities with which we are affiliated. So one day, I get something very cool in the mail. It just happens to be this campfire cup and if you're listening to this this campfire cup is uh like a navy blue with this uh uh, uh what, what shade of green is this is this a
1: it's it's like a yeah, i don't know it's like a lime green but like it's a like a lime greener than that like yeah
0: yeah <laughs> and, and so this campfire cup says i probably said something that i shouldn't have on thought theater. I was a guest on this podcast, and that is true. <laughs> I find not only is it true in my situation, but a lot of other situations where I'm where I'm listening to guests and I'm going, Oh man, do they really want to say that? Did they mean to say that? And Joel, this is one of my favorite lines from guests on on Thought Feeder. I probably shouldn't say this, but yeah. then they will say it. <laughs> a common refrain. A common <laughs> refrain. <laughs> So the co-host of Thought Feeder uh, is Joel Goodman, or I should say, it was Joel Goodman because uh, Thought Feeder did his final episode, and his co-host was our episode twenty-three guest, uh, John Stephen Stansel. Joel is the principal and CEO of Bravery Media, a higher education website design and digital strategy agency. Happy to have him on this episode of for our edification, and um, and and like I said. Joel and JS, they did their final episode of Thought Feeder, but you can still check it out at thoughtfeederpod.com, especially episode 19. You got to check that one out. That's that's
1: definitely the best one. That guest was
0: brilliant. Absolutely (laughs) brilliant. I've never heard anything like it in my life. Hey man, welcome to the uh, podcast.
1: Thanks, Eddie. I'm really, uh, one, it's always a pleasure to talk with you and super excited to be on your show. And, uh, I don't know if it's a turning the favor or just to be flattered at the same time, but uh, thanks for having me on.
0: No, no. So here's the thing. So um, I I would listen to episodes of Thought Feeder, and there were quite a few guests. When I would hear them talk about some of the aspects of the work that they do in higher ed marketing, um, I would just, I would feel seen, feel so seen by them. Um, it was really interesting to hear people share some of the same frustrations that I have when it comes to the higher ed marketing landscape. Um, and one of the things that I seem to pick up from a few people on your podcast, and then other podcasts as well that focus on higher ed marketing, um, a lot of us seem to deal with kind of the just shuttle up and dribble treatment on our campuses. yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? It's like, hey, just promote this. Just that's all we need you to do. Just 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 go ahead and tweet this 25 times before tomorrow so I can so people can come to my event. So that's that's the kind of stuff that we would deal with. So totally. <laughs> so let's 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 start at the beginning. Um, what motivated you and JS to even start Thought Feeder?
1: Yeah, so it was, uh, I guess we're, uh, it was about three years ago. It was actually right before the COVID pandemic really hit, right before lockdowns happened. Um, I can't remember if it was before we had heard news of this scary, you know, sickness coming to the shores of the United States or not, but um, we had, I think JS and I had just like been a little bit bored with everything else that we were doing and we wanted uh he was tweeting a lot of hot takes and we wanted to, we were annoyed with the amount of hot takes that were coming out that weren't really thought through. And so we wanted to kind of have a show that allowed us to talk candidly and um, at the same time, helpfully about the problems that do face higher ed, the stuff like all the topics that kind of get pushed to the back or that, you know, people that work, especially in, in higher ed Marcom offices there's a there's kind of a, a common group of ideas that float among everyone and a common group of frustrations and a lot of times they just don't get talked about and the problem is that in that kind of middle level of staffing uh if it doesn't get talked about leadership doesn't hear about it and so change doesn't happen uh and you know that was a time going into the pandemic and then we saw it in like really hit in the pandemic as we started really getting in uh, kicking into high gear with the thought feeder episodes just burnout hit everyone all at the same time. And it was just really accelerated by the stressors caused by, you know, a a completely unknown situation for, for most people in Marcom offices and thought feeder was a way for us to, show that sometimes john stevens hot takes or my hot takes weren't really hot like they sounded hot but we had actually thought through them <laughs> uh we we knew what we were we were just like spouting off opinions like they were opinions that we had thought for weeks about and had had conversations about and had actually formed some semblance of expertise within within that certain topic And then, uh, you know, part of that was we realized the two of us couldn't just be the ones that were talking to each other all the time, although I do like those episodes where it's just me and JS going off on something we need to have other voices in. Um, I I think we kind of hit the the interview show. Not as early as you, Eddie, because you you had this podcast going for for a little bit longer than than we did, I think. And uh, you know, we hit the the interview show thing a little bit earlier in higher ed, and now like you know, there's so many interview podcasts in you know for higher ed marketers, and they're all great. Um, but we wanted to figure out how to do that a little bit differently too, and so we wanted a mix of people that were in higher ed that could. You know, kind of work through those frustrations with us on the show, and then people that were outside of higher ed that we could learn things from in our daily jobs. And so, a lot of the mix of guests that we've had on Thought Feeder over the last few years are people that work in way you know tons of other industries. We had uh, a a good friend of mine um, who, sadly, we lost this week. uh, You know, came from a quick service restaurant background, and the the things that you could learn from digital marketing within within those sorts of practices and apply back to higher ed are things that we often don't hear in our kind of bubble or, you know, and a lot of times, like when you work on a campus, you hear that, Oh yeah, I got the campus bubble. Right. We're kind of like insulated from everything outside of it. It's very true even in our professional circles. So we wanted to bring those ideas in and talk through them and think about how you could apply things like quick service, restaurant, uh, marketing, or, um, political marketing or you know these these different areas that sit outside of higher ed to the practices that we have and hopefully make everyone a little better in their jobs but also you know like you were saying like have have them get to a point where they could connect and and resonate with a lot of the topics that we were we were kind of talking about with with our guests
0: yeah and i think i think the uh, the other reason i wanted to talk to you specifically is I hold the work that we do in higher ed marketing in very high regard because yeah. one of the things that people always forget about, the specifically about the marketing side, and some people just don't know, is that it's a business function. And so how do you get this business function, higher ed marketing, to work with the other business functions of higher ed to make sure the students get the quality of right. service that they actually deserve? for the amount of money that they're paying for the experience, (laughs) you know? And so, um, even when you and JS had episodes, when you talked to each other, there were things that you would talk about that would seem so minor to other people, but it was really big in our world. Um, you know, and so, and so I thought that was really interesting. You know, I thought, I thought it was important to capture that. Um, so, so as you, as you and JS would interview, these higher ed marketers, what did you recognize as some of the challenges and victories that we have in our campus communities um, in in higher ed marketing?
1: Yeah, I, I think the... I think the real common kind of challenge is everywhere in higher ed is underfunding. Um and and I don't think people said that specifically. I think it's framed a lot of times for us because I think because we do sort of missional work, right? Like the we're, we're tied to this this larger impact that the that the institutions having. Yeah. The we frame it a lot of times in terms of being overworked and not being underfunded. But the reality is that th- those are those are two sides of the same coin, right? Like you, you're you going to be overworked, but you're overworked because you're underfunded. If there was enough funding going into the marketing practices that we had in higher or have in higher ed, we wouldn't feel as overworked because we would have the staffing support to help out, you know, exactly. or we would be buying the right marketing tech or we would like all of those sorts of things. So I think that's, that's one of the biggest it's one of the oldest challenges in higher ed marketing and i think still increasingly one of the biggest challenges and it's only going to get harder like you know the the if if funding levels for marketing stay the same or are just marginally increased that's that's not helpful like it, you know right. and and the work that we do every day as marketers gets more intricate it gets more complicated there are more pressures it gets more fragmented and we're still expected to operate in the same ways and and hit the same marketing goals without any additional expansion to staffing or expansion to uh, budgets that we can apply towards you know other strategic outcomes for what we want to do. So I, I think that's that's kind of the biggest common refrain, I think, on the victory side. In higher ed in particular, you know, I think we're kind of a special breed of people because and I, I probably have said this on Feeder over the years, but I think we we buy into that that vision of a larger impact that our institutions are having. And so yeah. when there are wins when we see that the institution has made an impact on students or even like, you know, if you work on a campus and you get uh, that Maybe it's a maybe it's a communications and marketing student at your school that comes in as a student worker in your office. When they really get it and you see that passion in them, that feels really good, and it yeah. kind of spurs yeah. you on to do more. So I I feel I think it's the challenges that we see in higher ed could beat down higher ed marketers, and I think you know burnout is something that happens. But but on the flip side of that, uh, we we really do see that we can be driven by that that missional aspect and find little victories here and there you know whether it's that really good interaction that's happening on social media and you know we talked a lot about social media on thought feeder because that's kind of js's wheelhouse or when you see that your website is really performing to the level that you want it to or you do a really good marketing campaign you see it resonating out in the world being able to turn back and say okay that was a win and that was a good win for not just me but for my team and also for the institution I think that that gives a, a bigger lift to higher ed marketers than you might see with, you know, the typical, you know, company man sort of person that's out there working for a corporation. It's like, yeah, big corporation. Like, cool. We had a win, like, like get a bonus, like, you know, that sort of thing Like we don't we don't see that in, in higher ed very often. But I think we we feel that bigger camaraderie. And so the victories are a little bit more potent, I think, when we you know, when when we actually recognize them.
0: Yeah, it's the common lament I have heard from everybody who has left higher ed marketing is they hate it. Well, no, from people who have left campuses. Sure. The common lament I've heard, and actually JS said it on on my last episode, is I really didn't want to go because I I really enjoyed it. And it is because when, you know, it's commencement time And you see these students getting their degrees, um, but then when you see alumni who come back and they talk about what the university did for them, especially when they said, I'm so proud of my university because I've been following it on social media and look at the work you've been doing. I can't believe we look so good. Yeah. that 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 gives you <laughs> it gives you motivation. Unfortunately, I think for a lot of higher ed marketers, at least the folks who are on campus, the campus marketers, I think for them though, it only buys like another twenty four hours to two weeks right. of energy. <laughs> because... Well, well, and Eddie, I
1: I think part of that you were you were saying um, a few minutes ago, you were talking about how. You know, we don't really see these connections across business functions within the institution as closely. And I think that's a big part of it, is that as marketers, like our work could be viewed as just a business function, but as as you know, higher ed devotees for our careers and vocations, like we we want to really understand that connection that happens with our alumni and with our current students. Yeah. And it, the I, I'm I'm so sick of this term because, you know, I've heard it for the last 16 years of, of working in higher ed, but the, all the various silos that we have around campus, you know, the, all these all these walls that we hit when we just want to, like, make a connection with someone and see how our work can help them do their work better and how their work can give us a feedback loop so that we can do our work better. It's, it's very difficult to, uh, as you said, like, kind of prolong that, that energy and that boost that you get when you don't really have an opportunity to see the whole picture, all the connections across campus. Um, you know, I, I would chalk that up to another challenge in higher ed and one that is surprising hasn't been figured out in, you know, 150 plus years of, of having <laughs> similar structures and uh, you know, in, on our campuses and, and, and staffing models like that. Uh, it's, it's a really, it's a, it's a thing that makes us not better. Like that, that kind of, Oh, we're going to own our business practice and we're not going to share it with someone else. We're not going to let, you know, the enrollment management folks know, like been talking about life cycle management in this industry for years and years and years and years, but we haven't done anything structurally to change that. And it's, uh, I don't think we're better for it. I think it really, I think it really hurts how effective marketers can be it, it hurts how effective your development folks can be it hurts how effective even your faculty yeah. can be um, when you don't have those feedback loops or when you can't apply what you're learning on the marketing side to the student experience side which then helps you you know foster these alumni that are going to give back when they're you know when they're able to because they've had such a good experience and have developed an actual affinity with the school you only get, a few of those, and it makes the social media manager's job harder, the marketer's job harder, because they have to get through whatever baggage happened when the student was on campus, just to get them to that point where they're now a donor or they're they're reconnecting with your brand and with your with your messaging.
0: Mm. You're listening to for our edification. And we're talking to Joel Goodman. He is the principal and CEO of Bravery Media, um, also co-host of Thought Feeder, uh, which is a podcast that they, he and JS, they've done the last episode, but you can still catch those episodes at thoughtfeederpod.com. So let me talk about something that just, it's, just, it, it's, it's, I'm, I'm going to bring everybody into my world for a second. Okay. So I'm sitting, <laughs> I'm sitting at a meeting and every, you know, everybody's having whatever conversation they're having. And there's this phrase that uh, Terry Flannery, who's known as just one of the, the, you know, she's, she's, I, I call her the the fairy godmother of high ed marketing, you know, <laughs> and, and Terry has this thing that she says that really describes how people see our roles. She says, people see higher ed marketing as the caboose, you know, everything happens. They make all the business decisions and then they go to marketing And, and then to go with something, I always say they come to marketing and they see us as the arts and craft shop, you know, and so we have to go and make whatever decision was made pretty, regardless of how senseless the decision is sometimes. And so one of those things is the website, the high, (laughs) the college website, man, I'm sitting in a meeting. We're having a great conversation, and then all of a sudden, inevitably, in every single meeting, it comes up: "We got to do something about the website." Oh, the website is so awful! Oh, the website is. And I will—I'll go look at other websites, and I'm thinking, "Well, our website isn't all that bad," you know. It's it's it... from where you sit, for the work that you do with bravery. Why is this such a difficult conversation from campus to campus? What have you heard? that the people on the campuses, we're not hearing ourselves.
1: Yeah, uh, I think some of the challenges with the website are uh, kind of internal relational challenges. Uh, I think a big one is knowledge competition. Like everyone within higher ed thinks they do everyone else's job and they know how to do everyone else's job. Oh, wow. So that's not
0: limited to just Marcom. I mean, it's just everybody. I can see that because development folks get the same thing. Sure. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, it's like, and... why don't you just go to so and so, the rich, the rich alum and just get the money from them?
1: Right. And, and it's and not and that market... simple. And marketing folks think they know how professors should be teaching and I mean, sometimes that's true but something as a marketer i have to say that because like sometimes <laughs> maybe not how they should be teaching but what they should be teaching i no, think yeah there's, I, don't, there's... I don't
0: even i don't even know i don't touch the professors <laughs> right right <laughs> like, yeah so but i, I hear it i hear you there's yeah. there's
1: a business case to look at the market and figure out like what offerings we should have but then yeah. that gets pushed out to you know, that usually gets pushed out to academic affairs and so, and that's fine. But back to that siloing thing, like they're not really talking with marketing about it. They're doing their own thing. And then they, because they've hired their own consultants, they now know more than marketing does, even though marketing should have been in, in the conversation with that anyway, in the same way that, alumni relations should have been because maybe they could have been out soliciting donors for funding for these new programs or for whatever else. So everyone goes off and does their own thing at different times. And then they come back thinking that they're an expert in whatever this thing is that needs to happen. Website doesn't escape that. Everyone, you know, you sit in those meetings and you hear everyone has an idea about what the website should be. And this is particularly This is particularly obvious when you get new leadership in place, because a lot of times the website becomes uh, it becomes a vanity project for them. It's, hey, I'm brand new. I got to make a splash like I got to I got to show that I know what I'm talking about and you know how to do that let's redesign the website but they're not redesigning the website with student with prospective students in mind or with enrollment in mind like they they say they are but really they're thinking how do i make myself look good in this new role so that you know so that people like me and trust so that i can go on and get my next role you know afterwards it's it's at that level you're not necessarily looking to to stick around for a super long time and that's a that's a hard place to be for those of us that actually are experts at the website know what the website could do and can do and so that 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 knowledge competition that happens in these meetings ends up meaning that your website can't ever do the thing it's meant to do because it's doing a thousand things, right? Everyone mm-hmm. has their pet mm-hmm. project that needs to happen on the website. We need to have news stories on the homepage and we need to have this giving appeal on the homepage and all this stuff on the homepage. When the homepage, if it's really your front door to your institution and the number one thing that you need, which, you know, in in the case of most colleges and universities, the number one thing they need is more enrollment. You yeah. should be targeting the people that can become students not not anyone else right and so there's data that you could go in and and look at you could do some research and figure out what do those prospective students want they don't want to read your news stories i promise they just just don't um they're not at that point they want to know do you offer the program that i want and if you do how much does it cost and then when they jump those hurdles, they can get into figuring out the cultural aspects of your institution, and if they're going to fit well in, uh, you know, that day to day routine and the, the the ethos of what your your campus does. News stories don't do that. Um, student, as much as I hate to say it, these days, student spotlights don't do that. Everyone wants to put a student spotlight, and it was a big topic in in uh, higher ed marketing for a long time. We got to have more student stories on the site. Problem is. Put a student story on the site, and then you don't link back to the program that that student was in. And what does it do? Pe- people are not are not coming just to be informed about your school; they're coming to take an action and figure out: Can I check this thing off my list? And then take you know then then further that that exploration part. So that's a big part of it, I think. Um, again, underfunding is one of those things that everyone is aware of. No one wants to talk about, uh, at least not openly. Uh, the website is for for everyone at this point. I, I don't think there's any question about it. the website is the number one recruitment tool. It's the number one marketing tool for any institution. Yeah. You are multi million dollar brands. Why are you not putting money into your website? Like you think about other multi million dollar brands outside of our outside of our industry, like they put every year two to three to five to more than that million dollars into their website. And that's for building, that's for maintenance, that's mm-hmm. for marketing tech, that's for staffing to support it. Yeah. And we sit here and might put $250,000 into it every five years and then staff it with a ghost staff that can't actually maintain <laughs> it and expect it to expect that website to continue performing for oh, yeah. a long time because man, two dollars that's $250,000 is a whole lot of money, you know, half a million dollars is a whole lot of money. It is a lot of money. But when you think about it in relation, and this goes back to like not having that business function connection, right? When you go back and you think about how many students you need to attract with that website to break even, if you're paying, if you're going and working with an agency like Bravery Media or like, you know, a number of the other great agencies in higher ed, you might pay $300,000, $500,000 for a website redesign. Yeah. You know how many students you need to get in? Like five. Five. exactly
0: exactly yeah
1: that website needs to contribute to five or six additional students each year uh, or that year if you're only gonna do it once like that year for you to break even and and get your money back and it's gonna do a lot more than that and if you had the staffing to actually run a website at an optimized pace every year like you were looking at at the data the usability studies you were updating your content based on what people are reading you're fixing your your Uh, your site speed, your SEO, like doing all that, actually investing in the right staffing to do that, or investing in the right partner to come along and help you with that. I mean, you're, you're just, you're increasing that number every year. And so you're, you're, you're not just breaking even, you're actually like coming out way net positive. But instead, we think we can just set up a structure and let it run and that a website's just going to go. And it's, it's a, It's an older, it's older staffing models. You know, it's, we're we're still staffing websites the way that we did 15 years ago, or, you know, web, like the website of the marketing office, like we did 15 years ago. And the web has changed a whole lot. The types of people have changed a whole lot. The technology has changed a whole lot. The tactics have changed a whole lot. And that's a, you're, you're just, you're just kind of limiting the potential of what your most important marketing tool can do and then and then the pressure goes on to your social media managers or goes on to you know the people in your in like doing your your print magazine and and viewbooks and things like that who are like we're seeing declines in reach like why do we have to like pick up the slack when that money should be going into you know digital marketing or 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 smarter more strategic ways of marketing for the institution. Um, it's a complicated, it's a complicated deal because higher ed is traditionally so bureaucratic and has so many yeah. levels and has so many people that think they know marketing when they're not marketers or you know think they know fundraising when they're not fundraisers, and uh, it's just a lot of ego at times. And so, you know, as a lot of as as a primarily not for profit industry, like we should quit that. Like let's let's stop having the egos. Let's just do this in the right way and, and, and try to build up the actual institution versus, you know, versus trying to, to hang on to our own
0: pet projects. So you, that last answer. Okay. So you gave me a lot to chew on there. Is is it fair though? Let me, let me ask you this. Is it yeah. fair to say, okay, this is our strategic plan. Cause I've been in this spot before where I've said, hey, this is our strategic plan as an institution. Let's talk about what we want the website to do based on our strategic plan. Many thanks to Joel Goodman for joining me on part one of this edition of 4-Hour Edification. If you want to listen to those episodes of Thought Feeder, by all means, please do so. Go to thoughtfeederpod.com and find out more about Joel's work with Bravery Media by going to bravery.co. That's bravery.co. Check out the 4-Hour Edification page at eddiefrancis.com. You can keep your eyes peeled for part two of this interview, and you can also uh, download past episodes episodes, uh, please, by all means, rate the episodes, give us some feedback, tell me what you think, and also share it with friends. For Dr. Holy Willie Francis, I'm Eddie Francis. I'm going to see you in just a little bit for part two. Thank you for checking out this edition of For Our Edification.